0: Hi there. Josh Edwards back here with lesson 18. Welcome to Revive School. Super excited to have you here today. We are going to be in a little book called Judges because it's awesome. It's very judgy. It's a judgy book. Anyway, in all seriousness, guys, really stoked to be back with you all today. Man, Judges, what is this book about? It's crazy. It's seriously, like I said before, it's the last episodes of Jerry Springer. This is the crazy, crazy book. And we're going to be in uh, Judges uh, chapter 11 and 12. This guy's name is Jephthah. Fellas, can you say Jephthah? Jep- Jephthah. Jephthah. Jephtha. Jephtha. We'll just call him Jep. Jephthah. And we're going to get into what uh, Jephthah means, Mr. Kevin McElravey. But I want to kick it off with this right here, guys. Uh, the scripture says in Judges 10 verse 11, it says this, that... The Lord said to the Israelites when the Egyptians, Amorites, Ammonites, Philistines, Sidonians, Amalekites, and Maonites oppressed you and you cried out to me, did I not deliver you from their power? So guys, how many, how many groups is that right there? You got seven. There is these seven groups. That over the years, over the span of a couple centuries from when they were delivered out of the hands of Egypt and then bam, they're in the new land, they're taking territory, the, 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 the nation of Israel is expanding, they're taking turf. What's happening here, guys, is the more land that they take and the more they're exposed to, the more that they allow into their life and the more that they uh, kind of start walking in these wicked ways of these different gods. So literally, guys on a number on a number level the the number seven kind of stands for completion well these guys it's it's really just kind of painting a picture here in in chapter ten, verse eleven. It says that man like there's all there's these seven different groups you know Egyptians Amorites ammonites Philistines, Sidonians Amalekites, Maonites. What this is saying is is the Israelites have been exposed to the fullness of wickedness and idolatry in the land and what's so weird is the Lord warned them against all of this stuff. And still, time after time after time, the pendulum swings this way. And they're, they're walking in righteousness, and bam, they're over here in, in the weeds again. And then they come back. A righteous judge is raised up, like, like Deborah and Barak and Ehu and all these different guys. They come in, and they bring reform. But then they automatically go back to this route again. Because sometimes, when God is calling you into your destiny... Sometimes you got to deal with some demons from the past. Sometimes you got to shake off some of this stuff so that you could truly be completely victorious moving ahead. So they have these the fullness of idolatry with these seven different groups. So we're going to kick it off uh, Ch- uh, Judges chapter eleven. We're just going to start reading this stuff because I think guys, a lot of times you know instead of really picking this apart, this is really telling a story, and I want to just kind of let the scripture speak for itself. And I'll add some stuff in, but just look at this scripture Judges 11.1. 1. Now, Jephthah, the Gileadite, was a great warrior. Somebody say great warrior. Great Great warrior. I think I'm looking at a bunch of great warriors right now. Sean Carlson. Amen. You're a great warrior. I'm just going to look at you just about for two minutes and just make it real awkward. Anyway, moving right along. But, somebody say but. 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 He was the son of a prostitute. Gilead was his father. Now, guys, I don't know about you or where you came from, but I'm sure there's a doozy of a story. For my story, it kind of goes a little bit like this. Uh, I can relate to Jephthah in the sense that my great-great, this is so weird, man, my great-great-grandmother was a, a woman of the night in Holland, and she um, never made it to America. She died of venereal disease uh, and so my my great great grandfather came overseas from Holland and started a new life, a new family, new wife, all of this stuff. But there was this whole lineage of prostitution prior to that point. And I come from a long line of alcoholics, uh, um, a long line of abusers, uh, a long line of, of 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 just adultery, all this kind of stuff, cheating. But what's so cool, guys, is on this side of it that the Lord has redeemed me from that stuff, from that past. But guys, Jephthah was a guy that I think really walked in with a lot of baggage on his life. He was this mighty man of God. He was called. He had this amazing purpose. God was gonna, about to raise him up as a judge. But, and he was a mighty man of valor, but he couldn't shake off the things of the past. And he entered into this, this, this judgment seat really with a lot of baggage attached to him. So look at this in verse 2 of 11. It says, Gilead's wife bore him sons. And when they grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, You will have no inheritance in, your, in our father's house because you are the son of another woman. One translation says, You are a son of a stranger. Now this woman that they're talking about, this woman was possibly an Ishmaelite. Ishmaelite. This whole situation, see, in the Jewish time, they did not condone prostitution at all. They condemned it. And if you were a prostitute, you had no business coming into the house of God and doing worship. And even further than that, if you were the offspring of somebody who did that kind of practice, you were completely shunned and forbidden to come and worship. So guys, what was happening is the actions of his parents followed him into his life. And so all this shame, all this condemnation, all this rejection began to get heaped upon this guy. This mighty man of valor, but he was still foreshadow- or he was still covered up and shadowed by this thing from the past that he was the son of a prostitute so uh, man, can you guys relate to this thing like I mean just there's, there's, there are so many people who in the church even today, even leaders from the past and presidents, I'm sure that they've, they've walked with just like the spirit of condemnation and thing and it actually cripples them from actually moving forward as a leader guys I know in my own life. In my own life, this has been a hindrance, and the Lord continues to heal me and bring me from glory to glory. But guys, the whole thrust of today is your past doesn't define you. The righteous judge, when you're in Christ, the Bible says that, man, the old is gone, the new has come. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So, man, this is the good news, so I'm just going to give you the good stuff on the front end, but we're going to dive into this a little bit more here. So, bam, here we go. In verse 3 it says, So Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob." The land of Tob. Now look at this. Oh, first off, I, w- I will say this. You know, even in the midst of this stuff, I think God had a huge heart to to reach in and grab Jephthah and just be like, you know how the scripture says that he uses all things to work together for our good. God, during this time of of exile, um, God's wanting to, to turn all this stuff around for his good and to build some really cool character in him. But then look at what happens. He says, then some lawless men join Jephthah and traveled with him. Man, we had Han Solo and the other bounty hunters popping in with Jeff. They're running around like a bunch of freaks. So these guys, they're out in the land of Tob, which means goodness. But then he gets mixed up with this crazy crowd. Some translations call them scoundrels. One translation calls them adventurers. <laughs> Man, this is like Mad Max meets Robin Hood of antiquity. Like, I mean, just think of like Robin Hood and his Merry Men, man. These guys were like, these guys were pirates, man. They were out there, they were doing their thing, and they were like these adventure guys, but they were kind of scoundrels. Uh, if you guys have a chance, there's this amazing message on YouTube. It's by uh, J. Vernon McGee, and this awesome theologian, awesome preacher uh, from about, uh, from about you know, a little, little less than a century ago. J. Vernon McGee, man, he talked about... Uh, The process during this chapter of Jephthah and he talked about how he was exiled he was exalted and he was excited and we're going to talk about all these things but this first thing here what does it say in verse 3 it said you know he's sent to the land of Tob he goes out he meets these lawless men so at the very first part the dude Jephthah the judge not yet he is exiled verse 4 it says this sometime later the Ammonites fought against Israel You know, I just kind of want to back up here a sec. These different idols and these different things of, uh, that, that, that have crept into Israel and, and the ways that the Israelites were living, you've got to understand that Jephthah was born into that and he had his own stuff from his mom, but I don't think he really understood the goodness of God. And so I think he understood that, you know, with, with these gods like Molech or or Chimak, or like all these different, or Baal, or Asherah, all these different different groups. I think he had some preconceived notions on who Yahweh was. And so he brought those into this thing. So, the Ammonites started to fight against Israel, and he's still walking with this thing. The next verse, in verse 5, it says, When the Ammonites made war with Israel, the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. Verse 6. And they said to him, come, be our commander, and let's fight against the Ammonites. Anybody see what's going on here? Look at this. Come on, now come and be our commander. So they went out to him. They went to find him. And look at verse 7. It says, Jephthah replied to the elders of Gilead, didn't you hate me and drive me from my father's house? Why then have you come to me now when you're in trouble? Like, he even responds with this attitude and this spirit of rejection like, man, you hated me. You wanted nothing to do with me and now you're coming to me? This doesn't make any sense. Look at verse eight. It says this, the answer Jephthah, <sighs> this is so sad. He says, since that's true, so they're just confirming everything bad about Jephthah. Since that's true, we now turn to you. Come with us, fight the Ammonites and you will become the leader of all the inhabitants of Gilead. What, what are they saying here? They're like, yeah, we know all that's true, Jephthah, but we don't have a choice. This is our last resort. This is our last, last ditch effort. Our people are getting slaughtered. We got, we got nothing going on. Our land has been, being ravaged. We don't know what to do. So out of our desperation, we had to come find you. Look at verse nine, man. This is amazing. So Jephthah said to them, if you are bringing me back to fight the Ammonites and the Lord gives them to me, I will be your leader. (laughs) Sounds like a really great opportunity. But in all seriousness, look at this. Jephthah, what what that word means, it actually means to open in Hebrew, to open and to release. And so this is what God was doing in the midst of this crazy situation. God was raising up Jephthah to open the doors of victory once again man they were just getting the the Israelites were getting hammered they weren't winning they weren't being victorious at all so God raised him up to actually open the doors of victory and to bring freedom and release for the people this dude was a breaker Jephthah was like a Hulk smash man he was a brawler he was a fighter he rolled with crazy people out in the land of Tob and he knew how to fight he knew how to battle And man, even before he went, he was a mighty man of valor. That's what the scripture says. Verse 10 says this, The elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, The Lord is our witness if we don't do as you say. Woo! Here we go. Verse 11. So Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead. The people put put him over themselves as leader and commander. And Jephthah repeated all his terms in the presence of the Lord at Mizpah. So again, he's stating his case again. He says, all right, just so everybody knows, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to go out. I'm going to lead you guys against the Ammonites, the Moabites. I'm going to take you out and I'm going to lead you into victory. But if I win, I'm going to be your leader. So he's just fighting for this thing. Now look at this in verse 11. Remember how we talked about J. Vernon McGee, man. He's preaching. He's talking about this thing. He says how, how Jephthah was exiled. At the beginning of this chapter. Well, now is the time that Jephthah is going to be exalted. And it's really cool. Verse 11. So Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead. The people put him over themselves as leader and commander. And Jephthah repeated all his terms in the presence of the Lord at Mizpah. So he's stating his case. He says, this is what's going to happen. And now he's finally going to be exalted. This is the thing that he had been living his whole life to lead up to this point. He is wanting to to step in and be the leader that God has called him to be. Guys, remember, he's a mighty man of valor, but he's got this insecurity complex. He's got this thing of condemnation that he's got to prove something to somebody. And here he comes. He's, he, and he's going to prove it right about now. Verse 12, it says, Jephthah sent messengers to the king of Ammonites saying, What do you have against me? And what do you, and what do you have against me that you have come to fight against me in my land? Next verse. The king of the Ammonites said to Jephthah's, Jephthah's messengers, when Israel came from Egypt today, they seized my land from the Arnon to the Jabbok and the Jordan. Now restore it peaceably. Now here's the deal, guys. This isn't necessarily true. Like, it's kind of a half-truth. This, there's some legitimacy to what he's saying. But this is the story. Uh, in Ellicott's commentary, it says this. I'm just going to kind of read this, so just bear with me for a sec. It says this whole thing that, that, uh, that, 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 that this king of the Ammonites were coming out and saying, he says this, This was a very plausible plea but was not in accordance with facts. So they're given a half-truth here. The Israelites had been distinctly forbidden to war against the Moabites and Ammonites. But when Sihon, king of the Amorites, had refused them permission to pass peaceably through his land and had even come out to battle against them, they had defeated him and seized him in his territory. Man, if you could do this, Kev, could you go to Numbers 21, verses 21 through 30? And this is actually going to give the backdrop of the story. You know, uh, many, many, many weeks ago when we were in the Pentateuch, Kyle was, was going for this. But this is, what, this is what it was talking about. So this is this really kind of a history lesson of what's happening here. Numbers twenty one twenty one says, Israel sent messengers to say to Sihon, king of the Amorites, let us travel through your land. We won't go into your fields or vineyards. We won't drink any well water. We will travel the king's highway until we have traveled through your territory. Next verse. But Sion would not let Israel travel through his territory. Instead, he gathered his whole army and went out to confront Israel in the wilderness. When he came to Jahaz, he fought against Israel. Next verse. Israel struck him with the sword and took possession of his land from the Arnon to the Jabbok. This sounds familiar. This is exactly the story that they're talking about here. But only up to the Ammonite border because it was fortified. Next verse. Israel took all the cities and lived in all these Amorite, Amorite cities, including Heshbon and all its villages. Next one. Heshbon was the city of Sion, the king of the Amorites, who had fought against the former king of Moab and had taken control of all his land as far as the Arnon. Keep going. Oh, you know what? I'm just going to stop there. That's good. That's good. So he's unpacking this story. Uh, Kev, one more verse. If you could go to Deuteronomy 2.19. Guys, you got to understand the Israelites were not supposed to be fighting for this land because God had already said, I want you to pass through because I got something for you on the other side. Look at this, Deuteronomy 2.19. When you get close to the Ammonites, do not show any hostility toward them or fight with them, for I will not give you any of the Ammonites' land as a possession. I have given it as a possession to the descendants of Lot. So guys, they weren't even supposed to fight the Ammonites. They weren't even supposed to fight the Moabites. But because King Sion, man, he just put up this front. and He just said, no, you're not going to pass through. He was the one who picked a fight. So in Israel's idea, their thought was like, hey, he picked the fight. So I guess it's battle time. The Lord doesn't want us to do this, but we have to do this because we have a mission. We're supposed to go forward. And so that's what the king of the Ammonites are coming out here in verse 13. And he said, this is what my beef is with you. Go to 14 if you could, man. Jephthah again sent messengers to the king of the Ammonites. So he sends these people out to tell him, this is what Jephthah says, Israel did not take away the land of Moab or the land of the Ammonites. Are you guys getting this? Are you picking up what, what, what's happening here? Verse 16, it says, but when they came from Egypt, Israel traveled through the wilderness to the Red Sea and came to Kadesh. So guys, redundancy, this is happening. So there, I just read it. the, the recount in, in Numbers 21 and Deuteronomy 2.19. They're, they're having this whole thing. The king of the Ammonites is presenting his case. He's like, man, I want my land back. Give it to me. And then Jephthah in, in in his historical lesson kind of way, he's going ahead and he's saying the same thing. This happens in 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 verse sixteen uh of, of Judges uh, eleven, in verse seventeen, in eighteen, in nineteen, twenty, twenty one. Let's go down to twenty two, man. Look uh they took possession of all the territory from the Amorites to the Arnon to the Jabbok and from the wilderness to the Jordan. Verse 23. The Lord God of Israel has now driven out the Amorites before his people Israel. But you will now force us out? Sorry, I don't think that's going to be happening. Look at this. Isn't it true that you may possess whatever your God Chemosh? Chemosh? I think it's probably like Chemosh or something. Kmart, Kmart, The God... Isn't it true that you may possess whatever God Kemosh drives out for you? And we may possess everything the Lord our God drives out before us. Now look at this. This God that they were worshiping, guys, Kemosh or Shamosh or Kmart. Let's just call him Kmart. I just feel feel the anointing with that one. Yeah, I just feel a conf... There's a witness. There's a witness in my spirit that says Kmart. Who cares? He's like a false God. We can call him whatever we want. But this is what Kmart, I mean, Kemosh meant. The destroyer. The subduer, the fish god. He was the national deity of the Ammonites and Moabites. Now look at this. Unfortunately, this is unpacked a little bit later, but it talks about that King Solomon introduced. So King Solomon, David's boy. This is Solomon's temple, the tabernacle. Here it is. King Solomon introduced Chemosh worship. Kmart worship. Darn it, Kmart! He introduced Chemosh worship to Israel. And King Josiah many years later eradicated israel of the practice so there's a little just that's for free kemosh man he's coming in guys even like the whole the whole feeling of the ammonites can you just feel the tension of this king like he's feeling like man this guy there's just something weird and this guy was he was blood hungry and and he was he was warmongering. and he wanted to see what was going to be happening verse 25 says this now you now are you any better than balak son of zippor king of moab did he ever contend with Israel or fight against them? Next verse. While Israel lived three hundred years in Heshbon, in its villages in Arower, and its and vi- villages, and in all the cities that are on the banks of the Arnon, why didn't you take them back at that time? So this is what Jephthah is bringing up. He said, "Man, why are you waiting till now? This was like a couple hundred years ago. Like, what's the big deal? Why do you want the land back now? Totally weird." And, you know, he just got stirred up. But this is what I love, guys. Why don't you bounce down over uh, to to verse 29? I love this painting. It's growing on me. At first, I kind of wanted to throw up in my mouth a bit. but, um, But the painting, you guys, look at this in verse 29. Look at this. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, who traveled through Gilead and Manasseh. Guys, the Spirit of the Lord. This is what's happening all throughout the book of Judges. There's horrible stuff lawless living and then here comes righteous judgment and it's good because God is now going to bring some reform super fun I mean not fun but it's good yeah look at this who, uh, go back sorry so the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah who traveled through Gilead and Manasseh and then through Mizpah and Gilead he crossed over the Ammonites over to the Ammonites of, from Mizpah to Gilead um, wow uh, this, is, this, is, this is where it gets really weird You know how I said that this dude, Jephthah, walked and had some serious baggage? This is where the baggage comes into play. Look at verse 30. As J. Vernon McGee said, he got exiled, he got exalted, and now Jephthah is getting real excited. And in his excitement, he makes a horrible decision. And it's really weird, and I just want to unpack this. And some people are like, oh yeah, well, yeah, I'll just explain it. Verse 30, it says, Jephthah made this vow to the Lord. If you will hand over the Ammonites to me. Go to the next one. Whatever comes out of the doors of my house to greet me when I return in peace from the Ammonites will belong to the Lord and I will offer it as a burnt sacrifice. Gosh, make- and so this is what he's coming into with because he's comparing to gods like Kemart, I mean Kemosh, and Molech and the Baals, and Asherah, Like, this is the paradigm that he's walking in with, all this mixture. And guys, when we have this mixture, it really begins to muddy up our theology. And God does not... He wants us to view him in a right way. He wants us to view him as he really is, as a benevolent and just God. So yes, he's just, but he's full of love and mercy, and he's slow to anger, and he's rich in love. Man, look at this. I'm just going to... Okay, keep going with the next verse, would you? Jephthah crossed over over to the Ammonites to fight against them, and the Lord handed them over to him. Next verse. He defeated 20 of their cities with a great slaughter from Eowar, Eowar, Eowar <laughs> and all the way to the entrance of Minith and to Abel-Karamim. This sounds like Lord of the Rings or something. Ministereth. <sighs> Uh, so the Ammonites were, <laughs> were subdued before the Israelites. Next verse. When Jephthah went to his home in Mizpah, there was his daughter <clears throat> coming out to meet with meet him with tambourines and dancing. So guys, that little part before, that's what in the film industry and in the book, in the literature, we call that foreshadowing. Everybody say that with me. Say foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. That's what they were doing. Scripture was foreshadowing what was happening. Bam, there it is. She comes out. Screaming through the door, tambourines and dancing. She was his only child. He had no other son or daughter beside her. Next verse. Now when he saw her, he tore his clothes and said, No, not my daughter. You have devastated me. You have brought great misery on me. I have given my word to the Lord and I cannot take it back. Next verse. And she said to him, my father, you have, what is her problem? My father, you have given your word to the Lord. Do it to me as you have said, for the Lord brought vengeance on your enemies, the Ammonites. Next one. And she also said to her father, let me do this one thing. Let me wander two months through the mountains with my friends and mourn my virginity. Next one. This is great, right? I love, this is awesome. Go, he said. And he sent her away for two months. So she left her with her friends and mourned her virginity as she wandered through the mountains. Why didn't she just run away? I mean, God. Oh, I know why. Because when you have a messed up paradigm of what you think God is like, guess what? The people around you in your sphere of influence, they begin to adapt to those same ideas and ideals. The daughter had the same idea about Yahweh as the mixture in her father. And so, guys, that's just even just us as parents, us as fathers of Jesus. Man, let's just be so careful to paint God in the right picture and and just to to give him the proper place that he has and as a righteous judge. But also, man, he's love. He is love. He's love. Look at this. At the end of the two months, she returned to her father, and she kept the vow he had made about her. Now, some scholars think, oh, He just dedicated her to the Lord. But that's not what it says. I think he's thinking sacrificed her. And she had never been intimate with a man. Now look at this. Now it became a custom in Israel that four days each year, the young women of Israel would commemorate the daughter of Jephthah, the Gileadite. Somebody say issues. Man, this is, this is, this is the craziest little thing. But guys, I hope you're picking up what I'm laying down that we can't have our bad theology paint our picture of God. Now, guys, this, this chapter ends. I'm going to end with this. It ends with chapter 12 uh, of, of, this, of this portion, talking about Jephthah. And in chapter 12, this is what uh, verse 1 of that says. Um, it says, The men of Ephraim were called together and crossed the Jordan to Zephon. <laughs> Zephon. And they said to Jephthah, why have you crossed over to fight against the Ammonites, but didn't call us to go with you? We will burn your house down with you in it. What is the problem? Like, Gee. We we have to, have to, have to, for crying out loud, we got to get over this stuff. This is the most ridiculous thing ever. So Ephraim, a tribe of Israel, begins to turn on itself. Look at this. Why did they have this skirmish? It's because of this. Why were they so jealous that Jephthah went to war? It's because Ephraim, the tribe... Uh, They knew that Israel was now a winning team. And guess what? They wanted a piece of the pie. They wanted the spoils of what was to take place. They wanted the glory. They wanted the plunder. They wanted animals. They wanted women, the livestock, all that stuff. They wanted a piece of that. And they were jealous. And the story doesn't end pretty. Because what happens, without getting into too much detail, they battled. And Jephthah and his armies won out. 42,000 Ephraimites were killed. And so guys... In closing here, I don't even know how to wrap this up. This is such a ridiculous thing. But I do know that um, we need to begin to be people of freedom who walk in freedom and begin to release ourselves from old ways of thinking, old teachings, old, old ideas of who we think God is. Guys, God is not this God who's w- like waiting to strike people down. He's a God of love. He's not, he's not asking you to kill your daughter for his sake and to kill your... like It's just hogwash. So guys, my prayer for us today is that we just begin to view God as, yes, he's a judge. Yes, he's a judge. But guys, a judge does this. A judge looks at the big picture and he says what's fair. And he balances it out. And it's not, it's not about letting evil win. It's really about he wants his righteousness and justice to rule and reign. He wants the spirit of the living God to come to bring righteousness so that the the lawless living will be canceled out. So guys, this ends our random little talk today about Jephthah. I hope you enjoyed it and uh, you're awesome. We'll catch you guys later. Peace.